Welcome on Tech Bridge for a new episode of Mike on Mike Off. Hello, welcome to this podcast. My name is Lucy and I will be your host today. I'm in charge of growth marketing in the cloud business division at Alcatelucent Enterprise. And today we'll be talking about different uh, topics around the cloud, around collaboration, employees' well-being uh, in, uh, in companies. So first, who is Alcatelucent Enterprise? AED is a company that delivers um, collaboration, communication, uh, networking solutions, so end-to-end -end solutions for uh, any company of any size uh, in different business models like on-prem, hybrid, and uh, full cloud solutions. And today, I'm not alone, I'm uh, welcoming uh, Moussa Zagdoud. Hello, Moussa. Hello, Lucy. How are you? I'm fine. I'm yeah. fine. And today with Moussa, uh, we will discuss a lot of, uh, a lot of topics today, uh, the place of technology in, uh, in, the, in the workplace. We'll be discussing uh, the overall employee well-being and how uh, employees cope with, uh, with uh, the technologies and the collaboration tools. So, uh, yeah, uh, Moussa is uh, Executive Vice President of the Cloud uh, Business Division at Ayeli. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, so we'll start by introducing yourself. Tell us who you are. What is your what is your journey so far? How did you came into this position uh, today? Okay, thank you, Lucy, for uh, uh, inviting me to this podcast. Pleasure for me to be here and to share with you some ideas. Actually, uh, I joined the company Alcatelucent Enterprise a few years back. I'm not going to tell you uh, how many years. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> That's okay. No, but seri more seriously, I joined as, a, as an engineer where I joined the R&D for software development. Uh, um, so it was uh, super interesting for me because I was seeing Alcatelucent as the company really in which I wanted to, mm. to work, and that's true, um, because I'm very passionate by technology and obviously Alcatel, uh, in the past it was Alcatel and then Alcatel-Lucent and, and then more Alcatel-Lucent Enterprise, but at the yeah. end it's the same, where I was following all the technology that this company was uh, doing, uh, whether it is uh, submarine cables, satellites, and of course obviously technology around communication. So I was really, really uh, a fan of that company. So when I joined, I joined as a, as a trainee first. So when I entered this company, I was like, wow, this is where I <laughs> wanted to, to work. And this is now why I'm going to do my uh, training period. So after, I think, six months, um, a little bit less than uh, I had a proposal to stay in the company mm. uh, before finishing my studies. And of course, I had to finish my studies. And then I joined the company as an R&D developer. And then I gone through the company uh, and through different positions, uh, more uh, looking at digital. I started the first websites in the company. Um, I also joined the, the customer care organizations to feel also how the businesses has been was managed at that time. So different positions and of course, obviously, always in the technology, in the innovation where I landed uh, in the position today, which is um, at the end of the day, something that I always enjoyed doing because it's about innovation, it's about yeah. cloud, it's about uh, digital. So um, I'm happy to be in this position. Yeah. Nice. Very inspiring. Um, so let's dive into uh, into the topic. Uh, today we'll be discussing around the um, the evolution of the of the of the employees' uh, digital workplace, mm -hmm. let's say, and uh, more specifically now we'll discuss around uh, productivity at work, which mm -hmm. is uh, a concern for uh, for employees, for HR teams, for um, uh, the the C level uh, people in uh, in companies, but also for employees who doesn't want to be overwhelmed but uh, by uh, 
by anything and want to to do their job uh, as uh, as good as they can. So uh, in the recent years, with uh, with the uh, with the COVID and with uh, with uh, the overall uh, environment, um, people changed their habits drastically. They had to change their their habits. They uh, for some they discovered uh, homeworking. For others, uh, they for others they just had to to, to continue working uh, as well uh, on site because their job depends uh, depends on on site uh, work. But overall, in enterprises, there there have been a major shift and a major acceleration of uh, technologies adoption and everything. And uh, by working at home, uh, people find out that they were um, that their productivity increased. And um, after the, the sanitary crisis, uh, people now are starting to come back uh, at the office. S uh, a lot, actually, of the employees uh, changed their working contract to have um, uh, an hybrid uh, working uh, working model to uh, work partially uh, at home, uh, come back at the office because it's still cool to go at the office and, and work with colleagues uh, physically. So. Overall, there, there have been a major impact with the sanitary crisis. Um, and the view around productivity itself is um, kind, of a top, kind of a concern for employees who might be afraid uh, that with coming back to the office mm -hmm. that we lose productivity and everything. So um, I have some interesting figures from Gartner mm -hmm. who says that um, employee who does work from home uh, from time to time increase their Productivity. Thirty-six uh, percent of the people um, surveyed said they they felt like they were more more uh, productive. It's a figure from January twenty twenty nine, and um, and 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 the flexibility in the working hours also, which is something that shifted uh, as well. Uh, the employees really liked it, and forty-six percent of the people uh, surveyed said that they um, they loved to shift to flexible working hours as well. So we we clearly see that people see a lot of positivity from working from home, and the technology in this landscape has been a great helper. So it has been a great uh, a great helper uh, in that. And my question overall would be how uh, technology providers like uh, like ALE. Uh, where do they <coughs> place themselves? How do they help in the productivity without it being too uh, uh, a factor of, of stress or something negative? How um, can mm. how can ALE or, or technology <coughs> companies help people in their productivity? Yeah, no. First of all, I, I fully agree with you on this analysis and um, and and the let's say the the what happened mainly after the COVID or during the COVID. And this is interesting because we're all talking about digital transformation, right? Mm. And actually in this in this uh, sentence, what is important is not digital, but it is transformation. What does it mean? Uh, when you're doing physics, um, you, you understand that when you want to transform something, you have to apply a certain effort. You have to apply a certain energy. And this is what happened during the COVID. People had to put a certain energy to really get into these tools and to embrace that digital and find the benefit of it. Actually, this is what happened. Uh, you remember, uh, of course, in our company, for example, 100% of people, even those who were a little bit you know, against those things, mm. it happens, have all transformed into this, uh, this, uh, this digital world because they need it and they had to do it. They had no choice. And the effort that have that they have uh, given was was um, 
was strong enough to allow them to really perceive the benefit of it. This is how the transformation is, hap is happening. Sure. You apply an effort and you get the benefit of it. And of course, obviously, then you continue using them because if you apply an effort and you are not satisfied, you stop. There is no transformation. So on that perspective, I think this is exactly what happened. So here, one thing which is important is the time that we need to get into these tools. And of course, we have to, to do it as quick as possible because the time is important and we will come back to it, uh, uh, to it after. Um, I think that you mentioned something about increasing productivity. I think if we take it really uh, very precisely, I don't think that we have increased productivity, but we have increased the freedom and the flexibility in managing our own tasks. Mm. And this, the consequence of that was enhancing the productivity because people then uh, could manage the time, could manage uh, also their private life and their business life or the professional life. And that has landed uh, or has uh, brought us uh, um, to be more efficient because working from home somehow uh, uh, has also forced us to organize ourselves and then to uh, take the best time in, in the day to, to make sure that we can, we can achieve our tasks. So at the end, we are increasing productivity, but it's not because we are working home, it's because we have gaining flexibility and freedom. And also we have gaining the time because of course, obviously you don't need one hour Per, per day to in the transportation, as an example. Uh, there is other ele elements which are interesting, right? It's when you are in a, physically in an, an enterprise, obviously the human interaction is super important and we, we will come back to it. But this is also something where sometimes we lose a little bit of time. When you come and welcome everyone, you say hello, you discuss and so on. That's important, yeah. That's very, very important. important and we need that. But at the end, mechanically, it has... Uh, decreased because we are home, we, we don't have these uh, interactions anymore, and this somehow also participated participated in in creating um, more efficiency somehow in the daily tasks we mm -hmm. are achieving. Um, so how we, uh, as a company, uh, we are uh, helping that move uh, with what we are producing in terms of solution and and products. Actually, it's very simple. Um, first of all, we have to provide, and this is what we have done solutions where people really find all the tools they need to work. That's obvious, but if you are talking about uh, corporate uh, communication, you cannot afford not having 100% of services in any context, whether you are home, in a hotel, or obviously at the office. That's what we call the mobility. And by the way, it's even more than the mobility. It, it could be seen as ubiquity, which means that people don't know where you are, but you have 100% of your capabilities. We have access to everything, to anyone. So the, the location is not important mm -hmm. as soon as you have everything. Because in the past, we thought that mobility means having everything on the mobile. It's not yeah. that. Yeah, mobility yeah, yeah. means having everything you need, whatever the location you in which you are. And I think that's what we have done with our solutions, be it the connectivity with the network uh, uh, solutions, be it the communication with everything related to the telephony and of obviously be it uh, when we talk about the digital collaboration and the cloud and this is we have uh, this is what we have provided and that we continue providing to them to the market and to the employees so this is about providing 100% of services that we need and this is also of course obviously about user experience because if you have all those tools you still have to use them without having to fight with the technology. So it's mm. important to have a very smooth user experience. So simplicity is at the core uh, um, of our uh, strategy. 
And the last thing I would add is that as we are on the move, we are connected and we are sharing a lot of information. Obviously, the security is mm-hmm. one of the pillars. So to summarize, 100% of services, whatever the context in which we are, a great user experience where people don't have to fight with technology so that anyone can use it and we don't have to be technical. And third, the security is, uh, is key in, this, in that perspective. True. Exactly. You mentioned something about time management. Is this mm-hmm. something you want to talk about right now? It's something uh, I know that uh, you care uh, dear ah. in your heart <laughs> about uh, the overall time management thing. Ah. What do you want to say about no, this? No, I think that's an imp- interesting question now. It uh, <laughs> was not planned, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> no, the, the thing is that we, we talked about productivity, right? Where we, And if you look at that in, in a pure uh, financial uh, perspective, uh, productivity means you have to do... The the, the, the biggest number of things in the shortest yep. uh, time. This is for the company benefit, right? Of course, obviously, and as a consequence for us as employees. But something that has changed is that that productivity need has shifted to something where we have to satisfy the user, um, you know, uh, impatience when dealing with those tools. Huh? You remember we talked about that many times. Yeah. Uh, it means that if I'm a user and I'm using those tools, I have to use them them in a very quick manner and I need to understand immediately how to use them and how I can get benefit of it. And of course, when I have that as a user, I'm happy, I use them, and obviously my productivity is enhancing, right? But it's not because I have those tools. What They don't have to be complicated because if they are complicated, if you have again to fight uh, with, with them and to understand how they work, then you lose patience and probably you're going to jump to another tool another solution. Yeah. And this is key because as users, including in the private life, we have so many solutions and it's the case in the professional life. If we're not happy with one solution, we can jump easily to the next one. This is what the cloud is about also. So it's important to have in mind to make sure that when we're producing the solutions, when we're defining and when we are uh, building the solutions, we have to look at the user um, adoption. Uh, adoption first. That's exactly the point. And for this, we have to make sure that, again, there is no uh, fight with the technology, and this is where um, majority of people that are not technical have been using the, you know, the, the consumer tools because there is no user guide. Do you do you ever see any user guide anymore? No, In no. the past, we had a user guide for everything. No one has the time to open uh, a document and to read how to how to make a solution work or how to use a solution. That's that's key to come back to things that are super intuitive and super easy to use. Yeah. It's very instru- instrumental in the way people work. And um, it's totally related to the next topic because uh, the next topic is going to talk around the, the techno stress, that, ah. uh, the, the, the topic that came, uh, came back recently. Techno stress is a very old term. It was uh, first used in a book by uh, Craig Brog, uh, which is an American in 1984. So even before the before the the, 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 the 21st century, so um, techno stress is a word that is more and more used in surveys <coughs> and in articles around the around the technologies, collaboration solutions, etc. And um, to uh, to give it a little bit of definition, uh, techno stress or uh, digital stress. Uh, I'll be using um, a definition which is quite, quite simple, but uh, very interesting to hear. 
the digital stress is about um, experiencing stress due to information overload, the use of uh, too many apps and messaging apps and everything, and uh, overstimulation of somebody. Uh, and the distraction, which is something super important, and the 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 the, the, the fight uh, to do a multitasking and everything, which can be uh, multitasking is something that um, that uh, people uh, apprehend different differently depending mm. on the on the person. So um, with the rise of technologies, a lot of people saw a lot of benefits to it. But now we can see a dark side of it, and mm -hmm. it, it all comes with the digital transformation that you that you mentioned. Like now, people are on board, but now they may might have too much, and it it completely connected to what you said. Like uh, sometimes uh, the the IT department, uh, uh, IT department, and all the decision makers, because it's not only the IT department; it's um, every everybody uh, who is involved in in this decision. Sometimes uh, for employees. From one day to another, they decide to shift to another solution for cost uh, issues, for uh, technical issues, we don't know. But the employees, in the end, uh, from one day to another, they have to shift to a completely different solutions. So people have to be super flexible in the way that mm. they are using technologies. Adoption is shifting all the time. Mm. So it can be very stressing for people. In an article from uh, fastcompany.com, they they actually pointed out five uh, factors, uh, five causes of this techno stress, and it's quite interesting to hear. Uh, the first one is the invasion, the fact that technology is taking too much place in the in the in the work. Like we have to spend some time uh, more work on collaborating than actually doing the the tasks that we are working on. So that's the fact about um, invasion, overload of information. Now, well, now. Um, 10 years ago, maybe we had to check the emails, but now we have to check emails after we have to check uh, the messaging, after we have to check if we have a, a collaboration uh, a tool, like I'm, I'm thinking about right because uh, we were using it at AELI, but it can be other um, project management tools. We, we can have notifications in there, notifications on social media, there are notifications everywhere. That's the overload of information. We have also the complexities. As you said, sometimes um, there are uh, applications that might be too difficult to use, too many buttons. People have to read through to understand how the interfaces uh, work and everything. Uh, we have the fourth is the insecurity, mm -hmm. uh, which kind of relates to, to, to all of that because um, Technology evolves super fast and sometimes people can be insecure about it because there is the AI that is coming and there are people who <coughs> who, who are not born with technologies when they hear about uh, artificial artificial intelligence they are they, they are scared about it because they don't know what it is and what it means. Uh, and the last one is uncertainty. The all uh, the all uh, the, the big question about uh, will technology replace my work? Uh, where what is my benefit as uh, a human being against technology? Let's say that there is there is this constant question around uh, constant blur around the place of technology versus uh, the 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 benefit of having human being working behind that. So these five factors. <coughs> um, can be a source of stress for workers and everything. And of course, as technology providers, we are at the core of all of these challenges. So uh, these questions, um, um, yeah, the, the, topic, the topic is here. And the question, to be more precise, is what is the duty? What is the, 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 
the how can ALE can help in there to clarify the, the the positioning and help people feeling confident in them in using the tools and everything. I think that's a very important topic you you're raising here. Uh, we're talking about digital stress, and I think that is uh, it is much related to the hyperconnectivity in which we all are. That's the first thing. We are connected all the time. And uh, of course, you mentioned the notifications, and we are so trained to that. We can make a difference between a notification coming from Facebook, from WhatsApp, or from Rainbow, or for whatever we, we have a difference. And uh, if it comes for from Rainbow, for example, or from any other business tool, then you know that it's for business, and your stress is getting... Elsewhere. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is interesting. We yeah. are, our brain is trained for that automatically. First thing. Second, um, we have so many information to manage. Uh, that's huge, as you said. The invasion is not um, a wrong word here because I think this is what is happening, especially because not only we are having our business tools, but we also are using all the time very uh, a lot of, of you know uh, consumer tools, which are also technical and are providing us with a lot of information. Of course, we have to make the choices on which is important and not important as as users, as uh, as, as individuals. But still, we have this amount of information that are coming from all these social medias that we are using as, as individuals, whatever the age we have, yeah, I yeah. mean, uh, we see it every every day. And imagine that after you have, or you just have to jump into other technical tools for, for, for work. So all this amount of digital might be sometimes uh, too important and mm. it's, uh, it's uh, and we'll come back to the solutions that Aili is providing in that perspective. Um, then, um, yeah, you... Uh, you mentioned something about um, uh, the, 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 the stress that this is, is causing, definitely. Um, uh, I was thinking about um, what is the factor uh, of this stress and mm -hmm. how we could uh, you know, minimize it somehow. First of all, there is something interesting in terms of uh, human behavior, is that when we had to be at the office, somehow we, are, we were measured on the time we're spending the offices, yeah. in a way or another. Yeah. Um, when we are home or distant working, we are not measured on the time, we are measured on the tasks we are doing and the connectivity that we are showing by our activity as a human being. And this, I'm not saying that's good or bad, I'm just saying that this is, this is the trend, this mm. is a fact. And this involves stress around that because we have to show colleagues or to whatever management somehow and again it's human i'm not saying it's we have to do that i'm just mm. explaining as human being how we could react to that uh, we feel the stress of delivering or connecting or participating or whatever i'm sure that some of you have for example sometimes yeah, there is a meeting there is a conference you know that you will not be efficient mm. but you still connect mm. so that's that's human being and this related to the fact that we are not anymore at the office and then as we are engaged in our companies, we are involved, we wanted to succeed. So we're not cheating there, but mm. we somehow are doing a bit more than normal. Yeah. So this is creating also uh, some stress and I think that's important. All, all in all, uh, as human beings also, we can handle a certain number of, certain amount of information and notification and we cannot exceed. Otherwise, we will lose all the efficiency and uh, and we will fall into the opposite of what we were looking at, uh, especially if we're talking about productivity and, uh, and efficiency, right? So I think that, um, the, the, first of all, there has to be uh, of some kind of, of, of shift or a, a, a silo, and I'm convinced more and more about that, between the private life and the business life. Mm -hmm. uh, we see that today there is no... 
th there is no separation, actually. Why? First of all, you see that, again, before this COVID, uh, people don't really uh, uh, see uh, others' homes, right? Yeah. yeah. With the COVID, everyone is putting the cameras and we see homes. We see sometimes uh, kids going and, you know, and dogs and, and so on. <laughs> so, which means that we are more keen somehow to show our private lives to others, first of all. Second, you can see it also in the outfits. Uh, mm. People are just having executive meetings in, in a t-shirt, to mm. the case, and that it happens very often. So there is this um, separation that is not clear at all. And for some, sometimes it's good because then we don't you know, stress anymore by these things. Yeah. And sometimes we need to have that uh, separation just for a certain number of, of, of uh, for, for some time to make sure that we energize again mm -hmm. and we can come back to more efficiency so all these things are clearly um, involving more stress but again i think that this is a phase in which we are which is about digital transformation Ap after a certain number of, of months or, or years mm -hmm. i don't know exactly uh, we will get used to uh, some of the things that we are talking about here um, some of the elements will just disappear by themselves yeah. and uh, we will as usual, as human beings adapt to the situation. Mm -hmm. It does not mean that we do not have to provide means to help there. And again, for us, as Alcatel Lucent, what we uh, are trying to achieve at least is to make sure that people can choose where they will be, the time where they will be stressed. If I don't want to be disturbed by my, my notification, I can just snooze them. I can define where I really have to be uh, called by, uh, by people if I want to and if it's important for example i can set up my presence to make sure that i'm not disturbed because i decided that it's my off time and i don't want to be stressed then mm -hmm. but i can still say okay if the company needs me if my boss needs me in a very urgent manner i can still receive the notification into a certain number of parameters that as a user i will set up to make sure that i still have the freedom that we were talking about at the beginning which is the key in everything at the end of the day and i think this is where the technology has really helped providing people more freedom and more mm. flexibility in managing their time and also their stress. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, and for that, we have many tools, we have many solutions, and we're working also in the, uh, in the user experience area because, again, um, in order to avoid the stress, we cannot come up with solutions that are involving stress in, in making, you know, setting up everything to yeah. make sure that I will avoid stress. Everything is related, at the end of the day, with user experience, and for that... Um, I think we are. We have done a yeah, huge, uh, mm -hmm. huge work uh, in the last, uh, That's cool. last years. Okay. I don't nice. know if I'm still your questions, but uh, no, no, it's nice, nice. Well, Very first, uh, good first uh, solution. That's nice. Um, next question is uh, kind of related to that because uh, it's another. Um, let's say I, I would say it's another uh, uh, factor of. Uh, of around the adoption, uh, the user experience, as you say. It's uh, the digital gap. Uh, I think it's a term that I saw from time to time, but basically it's the generational mm. factor around this, uh, where we talk about digital natives and non-digital natives, mm. or uh, a term that I discovered yesterday, which, are, which is digital immigrants, which are uh, non-digital natives. Interesting. Uh, and um, in terms of... Um, of profiles, it's uh, different types of people who uh, apprehend technologies mm -hmm. very differently because of their uh, of their history uh, of their history overall. 
Uh, I have two definitions, two definitions for that uh, from uh, 2012, 2013. So it's been there uh, since uh, since quite uh, quite some years now. Digital natives are people who have been raised on the internet since late 1990s, um, who are who will relate with the internet um, in in uh, way different ways than uh, than do most uh, most of today's adults actually. Uh, these tech, uh, they say that these uh, web savvy uh, net generation, uh, they will have tend to have a view which is, which is kind of a, um, which is quite positive around the technology, and they will see internet and the technology as um, as an extension of themselves, really like a, uh, uh, the technology, which is something that is a double of themselves, or something, or, or something like this. Like we can see that clearly on Instagram today, with the the, the, the adoption of, of technologies and everything. Uh, these digital natives are way more comfortable with it. They have no problem with uh, with, uh, with posting pictures, seeing things on the internet, and so on. Which is different from non-digital uh, uh, digital natives. Uh, the digital immigrants. It's a definition from Oxford University Press. And they say that a person which is born um, born or brought up before the widespread of, uh, of use of the g digital technology, um, they, they will be managing online privacy as a daunting project. Like they will see it as a burden. They will see technologies as a, as a burden and something not natural. Um, so we can see that there is a drastic two completely different ways of seeing technologies and, and, and see the, 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 the as, as we said before, the, the link with the invasion of technologies, they will perceive that very differently. Uh, Prensky uh, says that uh, both, um, both profiles, they uh, think the, and they process the information fundamentally um, differently. Uh, they say that digital natives, uh, they process information quickly, they enjoy multitasking and gaming, while the digital uh, immigrants, they process information slowly, they uh, work on one thing at a time, and, the, and they don't um, appreciate less uh, serious um, approaches to learning and, and, and shifting to different topics at a time. It's very... Um, uh, it can be seen as a very, uh, uh, how do we say that? Um, I don't have the word in English. In French, um, it's cliches. Uh, yeah, it's cliches, Cliché, basically. Yeah. It can be seen as a big cliches around two different audiences, but it's there is truth behind that. Yes. Uh, and some digital natives are not that okay with technologies and vice versa. Digital immigrants, some have totally taken the pace and they mm -hmm. are uh, totally okay with technologies and so on. But I would say that it kind of represents the two big um, uh, confrontations and difference between the two, uh, the two uh, generations. However, this is from 2012-2013, and uh, there have been surveys uh, done by Gartner as well that says that uh, nearly one out of five of workers, which is 18% uh, of them, consider, consider themselves as uh, techno uh, digital technology experts since COVID-19, mm. which means that with, uh, 
I, I wouldn't say it's a positive thing but to 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 live uh, yeah. to live covid of course but with um the acceleration of digital transformation of adoption and everything there are people who might not be digital natives and be um people who are digital immigrants that have been uh, forced to 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 home to home working and everything and had to work with these to continue working so for a couple of months maybe they have been they had to 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 apprehend new habits and now they are really feeling more comfortable with it and they might even be uh, prescriptors advisors and feel um okay now i understand that now i want more mm. now i you know so that's the overall topic about the two de two generations how uh, how can ALE and, and technology companies overall can address these two profiles no that that's that's also a very important point and it's uh, just rel related to the first elements we we shared about the the impatience mm. um you mentioned that the younger generation uh, see uh, the private setup uh, as a burden which is the case because they don't have time they don't want to take the time they even don't consider to go in the settings and say yes if this happens that i don't show this or that yeah. they do not here and I understand why this is exactly what we shared together. Um, this is related to this impatient management. First thing. Second, this trend cannot be stopped, of course, and uh, that, that the, the adoption of this technology and all the consequences you mentioned is something that will continue and accelerate. And no one and nothing has been able to change that so far. And I think it would never happen. Um, that's the second thing. And third thing is that you mentioned this gap between the two. Uh, I, by the way, I wouldn't oppose them. Uh, Mm -hmm. For sure, this is only transitions, um, but obviously younger generations have this native digital and they immediately get into these tools. You see sometimes some babies just uh, swapping on the, <laughs> on the yeah. iPads, even they don't know, but it's crazy because this is really related to, uh, to, um, to these things. So the question I would have is, is the technology uh, has been smart enough to really to touch what people need and then the adoption is... Um, is there, oh, it's the opposite, is we as human beings, even younger people, even children, mm -hmm. are different so that we adapt it to more quickly to the technology. This question, I don't have the answer on it. <laughs> what I have an answer on is the fact that um, we mentioned at the beginning this transformation and the effort that um, digital immigrants, I'm taking your point, um, or have to, to put in order to go into this uh, digital, has been helped very much by the, the the usage of the private tool, uh, consumer tools, right? Which means that when you use, you know, the private tools to communicate, which are the free free tools we're all using mm -hmm. somehow, um, you not forced to use the technology, but you make a little bit of effort because you understand the benefit of it behind. And then obviously you get more used to the digital and then for the work, it's easier for you. Mm. And then uh, you, get, um, you get more comfortable with it. Um, by the way, this is interesting in terms of how the, the enterprise solutions have evolved the, the last 10 years. Um, before, it was the, the enterprise that was leading uh, the technical usages and then the consumer was following. Mm. Now it's the opposite. Yeah. Uh, it's the consumer world that is driving the, mm. the, the, the business and the enterprise world. Right? We, we cannot uh, provide solutions as, uh, as, as a company as a company and as an enterprise solution, we cannot define tools that are completely in opposition to the consumer tools. It's it's humbling for for us yes. because it's totally totally shifting. It's totally shifting, and mm. it helps in the adoption. Mm. Um, and it's nothing to do with um, how uh, uh, clever you're in the technical or whatever. It's just 
do you find a benefit? Yes or no. If you find a benefit, then you use and you adopt and you are more comfortable with it. Mm. That's why I think that there is less and less this generational gap uh, mm. to use these tools. And we see grandmothers that are super happy with their <laughs> uh, Facebook, whatever. And it's very nice to yeah. hear. And I think this is also bringing some fresh uh, interest to, to this as soon as the technology is more and more simple to use. Yeah. And people are not feeling guilty not to know how something is working yeah. and uh, have no have no complex saying i don't know or tell me how it works and so that's mm. has completely uh, it has been democratized i don't know if we can say this yeah yeah okay, let's, say, let's yeah. say that we can, <laughs> we can we can say it um but again this trend is huge it will not change and our uh, duty as enterprise solution provider is really again to come up with something that is super easy because people don't have time and they don't take time to understand the mm. technology. That's why, by the way, coming back to your point, the AI is going to be more and more important, not as a technical uh, achievement or something that is super smart. It is going to be there to help humans doing what they don't like to do. Yeah. For example, uh, manage their privacy. As a user, I would have some AI that is telling me that here in that, in that context, I'm sharing too much or to someone or to something that might be risky. So this is where AI is going to help, definitely. Mm. So let's not make it too complicated. Um, again, as anything, if I'm finding benefit, I will use and I will adopt. Mm. Sure. Okay, so thank you. Uh, the next uh, the next group of topic that we're going to discuss is around data sovereignty, because mm -hmm. it's something that is, uh, that is really um, something that is increasing in terms of importance for uh, companies, enterprises, and the employees uh, and the consumers who are being more and more uh, aware about what is happening with our data and everything is becoming a, a major concern. Uh, I'm coming back with some figures, uh, some studies who have been done in uh, 2019, uh, done in the US by uh, Kerry, uh, which says that 70% of the consumers uh, say that they are more concerned about their data and their online privacy, privacy than they used to be years ago. So there's been a, a, an increasing uh, awareness around that. And in the European Union, uh, in the European Union, uh, one out of five of the consumers believe that the businesses do not simply care about the privacy of, um, of the data, uh, that they do not handle and they don't care about it. So, um, based on this, um, based on this, there have been um, uh, a market and, and the market evolved and the law evolved as well. Uh, because we saw that in 2018, they've been the, in Europe, they've been the, the, the GDPR. Mm -hmm. And in 2020, they've been the CCPA, which is the Californian, uh, Californian um, set of laws around uh, consumer privacy. And uh, LGPD, which is the Br Brazilian version of, uh, of this uh, privacy, privacy law. So, and these two, uh, CCPA and uh, LGPD, were done in, uh, in 2020. So we see that now governments and law institutions are putting rules to set up all of this, uh, all of this data. So we can see that it's taking, um, uh, uh, it's taking more and more place. Uh, 
companies now are more investing in cybersecurity. They are assigning uh, people to work 100% on this topic, on security, data protection and everything. So uh, again, as a technology provider, uh, how does ALE position itself? How does it work? Uh, how does it work simply uh, around uh, security? Well, I think that's uh, one of the big topics we are all looking at. Um, you know, uh, we are having... We talked about the cloud and the digital transformation, which involves a huge amount of uh, information exchange, whether it is in a private life or whether it is on a business uh, perspective. And obviously, when we're talking about business, uh, we are having more and more demand uh, about the how we manage the data mm -hmm. as a s solution provider, where the data is stored, how can cons customers come back to the data? Is Who is owning the data? And all those questions are, first of all, legitimate. They are important, and we have to come up with an answer. This is uh, coming more and more important because, as you know, in the in the world, we have uh, you know, a lot of things happening, and obviously people want to keep their their data. And we know that data is a goldmine because this is where people are exchanging everything. It's about knowledge. It, it's about some industrial uh, innovations. It, uh, it's about... Many things. And here I'm talking about the private environment. If I'm talking about the public environment, it's even more critical because as a, you know, in the governmental institutions, be it uh, the army, be it the government uh, organizations, be it uh, hospitals or education universities, they are very, very sensitive to that. And that's why we have uh, to come up with uh, solutions that really respecting that uh, data privacy and data ownership, which is somehow related to the sovereignty. Sovereignty means that we own the data mm -hmm. and the data is used only for the good of the, uh, the customer or, or the user that, uh, that is in, involved. Um, what is interesting is that uh, definitely this uh, trend has started from the public institutions, as I was mentioning, but now it's going to more uh, private sector because again a lot of companies are sharing very critical information and they want to make sure that this information is not um, used for other purposes right um, the uh, the yeah obviously a lot of uh, standards have been uh, built or set up to make sure that uh, when you build a solution or you, when you provide a service um, we have to go through a certain number of certification and regulation uh, procedures, processes mm -hmm. to guarantee to the customer that yes, the data is managed the right way in a very secure manner. First of all, it's encrypted to make sure that there is no leak, but as soon as it's encrypted, then it is about how the data is managed and stored. And for that, Alcatel-Lucent Enterprise is very focused on providing this uh, sovereignty by working with um, uh, yes, some yes, uh, s you know, uh, companies uh, that are guaranteeing that to make sure that the data, for example, if we're talking about a customer that is in France, the data is in France and not uh, spread in any other countries. And of course, obviously, the customer owns that that uh, that data. Um, the uh, yeah, I was mentioning the regulation, so it depends on the activity sector. If we're talking about healthcare, you have a certain number of uh, of things to uh, to go through, which land uh, with a certification that is called uh, 
um, HDS in France and uh, HIPAA in the US, those are really guaranteeing that you have the right level of uh, data management, including the sovereignty when we're talking about uh, hospitals in France as an example, but it's the same in Germany with the BSI certification and yep. regulation. We have many of those in different countries. Our uh, objective is always to make sure that we are providing solutions that are securing the data of the customer by applying a certain number of technical uh, uh, solution and encryption on, of course, securing all that, but also making sure that in the process, in the operational process, everything is also secured. Who is managed, who is touching that data and what is the operations that we can do, again, to uh, to ensure technically and by, uh, by the process and also by the contract, mm-hmm. you know, engage legally. True. That's important, otherwise there is no no impact and we want to, to make sure that this has a yeah, behind the law, we we are we are strong, and we want to make sure that it's also the case for the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's that's a key thing. That's a key thing. Okay, and in terms, I would even add something that in terms of uh, trust and transparency towards yeah. the user, because what you're saying is something that is happening in the in the in the, the back doors and behind the doors. Mm-hmm. Let's say, uh, I'm I'm a Rainbow user, obviously, and uh, when we go into the the profile settings and everything, and we s- uh, we dig in a little bit as a user, mm-hmm. we can actually see uh, black and white where the data is stored. So it's also a question of open discussion yes. with the customers. I think that's a key point you're mentioning. Uh, every activity around the cloud and those digital transformation activities, uh, uh, so to speak, are have something to do with the trust, mm-hmm. right? Uh, again, uh, if I'm using a solution as a, an individual or as a company, I have to trust the provider and partners that are behind. It's a chain. Mm-hmm. And each uh, actor of this chain has to provide evidence uh, that show that he's really managing that properly. That's yep. why we're working with a certain number of actors and, and partners, be it on the business, uh, be some business partners, or be it on the more operational uh, layer to make sure that at the end of the day, the user is trusting mm-hmm. the tool he's using. Yeah, uh, It's not the case with all uh, companies, as you know, that's why we are having this sovereignty approach. And Alcatelucent is probably the only one in Europe that is having uh, that level of... Uh, Transparency. Of transparency, level of service that can uh, compete with the GAFAM somehow, and still mm-hmm. making sure that the data is uh, yeah is managed properly together nice. with our partners, uh, as I said. Cool. Um, just one thing for our listeners or, or viewers. Uh, yesterday we were in the same studio and we had the, the chance to welcome uh, uh, some uh, C-level uh, uh, person from uh, OVH Cloud and uh, NXO uh, France. And um, we discussed and we, we clearly showed that uh, there is a stronger relationship with uh, with these three companies. And it clearly uh, shows and we discussed around uh, uh, data sovereignty. It's an interview that you will, you'll be able to check on, uh, on uctoday.com. Uh, and uh, the conversation was on this topic on data sovereignty. So we, we there is a clear open discussions uh, between these three companies and it it's physically shows that uh, there is a stronger uh, relationship and mm. collaboration between these three companies, which is super interesting. No, that's reality, users. actually. That's that's reality. And yesterday, yes, we had a chance to talk to Sylvain Rory and uh, François Giraud from, uh, f- the first one was from OVH Cloud and, and the second one, François, was next in an XO mm. uh, company in France. Um, both of them, together with us, with us we, are, we are this chain of value working together, each of the organization has its own expertise, 
OVH Cloud yeah. is providing the EAS, we are providing the solution, and, and XO is providing the go-to-market and the, uh, the expertise on, on the field, the connection with the customer. And if one of the three pillars is not working properly, it would not work. Mm -hmm. And we are lucky sure. because it works. So uh, sure. our customers ah, are cool. happy uh, with these partnerships we have with them. Nice. Um, next topic is around uh, environment, mm -hmm. uh, something that is uh, risingly important. Uh, it touches uh, every one of us, and some can even have this concern, or it can even be a decision uh, decision factor in uh, in choosing one or, or the other uh, collaboration tool. Uh, what do you have to say around that about environmental uh, compliance, uh, friendly? Uh, what do you have to say there? Well, I, I think that uh, you know the, the environment protection is not now just some people that are uh, trying to make it uh, political or whatever. This is a concern of any individual, any human being um, nowadays. Yeah. That's that's key thing, and we all, by the way, experience that those changes, and we are coming back to the um, digital transformation. I think we see that transformation happening. There as well. Everywhere. And uh, we need to make effort to make sure that this transformation in that perspective is, is not going too far. It's different from the digital transformation that we were mentioning. First thing, um, we have a role to play and we have a mission to accomplish as uh, service providers and, and, and of course solution uh, vendors. Uh, we have to take that dimension into account in anything we are doing. Um, for example, uh, as you know, we are providing those solutions to allow people staying home. It's huge in terms of how we, um, you know, um, protect somehow uh, the environment by allowing people not to take the tr transportation. True. And we yeah. saw that during the COVID, where you see some live transformation with some, you know, the air was uh, more clean somehow. Mm. Uh, and this is interesting to see how quick these things are changing somehow mm. when we do that effort. So first thing, yeah, we are clearly contributing. Uh, to this by providing those digital tools that are avoiding this transportation. And you see that even the big events we used to have uh, physically have been replaced by uh, virtual events and now a bit more hybrid so that we still keep that human touch and human interactions that we always need and we're going to always be needing. But we can now rely on very high quality level of virtual events yes. to avoid you know, uh, taking flights and do uh, six, seven, ten hours of, of flights to go attend the one day of event. I think that's a key, a key topic. On the other side, we are consuming a lot of energy. And you must say it. Mm. Right? So we have to in improve that as well. When we're building our solution, we m have to make sure that yeah, the the energy that we are consuming is the lowest as possible. Because this, there is, there is a uh, yeah, there is something that we need to to take into account when we talk about keeping people home, we do not have to consume too much energy for mm. that as well. You know, this is a trade-off. But there is room of improvement here. I must say that uh, our companies, not only us, but uh, our industry is really um, sensitive to that. There is also some references uh, to make sure that your company and your solution is greener yeah. than others. I try, yeah. this is a kind of, of context, contest there. It's interesting. Um, but there is room to improve the operation uh, where we're having our data centers and the, you know, the consumption of the energy. We're using uh, green energy as much as possible. We are trying to also make sure that our operation um, is intelligent enough to decrease the processing in data centers where we know that we have lows, uh, 
lower activities and this kind of mm. uh, operational excellency that we need and here we are also applying uh, some artificial intelligence and again this is this has not to be too complicated but we can see immediate benefit of it all in all this topic is not a topic that is a secondary topic it's yeah. an important one yeah. and by the way we take it as important ourselves but our customers are taking it uh, as important so as a second effect we need to Compi- uh, to, to, to be compliant to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a virtuous path, the vir- virtuous circle we have to, to get into, making sure that we are providing solutions to allow people to use as much as possible uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, the resources of the environment, and of course making sure that our own solutions are going that way, otherwise we, are, we don't gain anything. So mm. uh, it's an important topic. It's super interesting. Um, thank you. Uh, the round, uh, the next round of discussion, and the last one would be to kind of uh, open the dialogue with you and um, and maybe uh, take a, a step uh, a step ahead it's of the industry. Open. Yeah, <laughs> true, true, true. But um, this topic would be less uh, less uh, oriented towards AELE, but more on the industry in general. Um, how do you feel around uh, the ethics around technology and the, the basically mm. the privacy? Uh, privacy of the users and everything. How do you see uh, what will come next around, uh, around uh, the ethics, around this topic, around how uh, ethical it is to, uh, to, to, to have a technology uh, kind of uh, drive, uh, drive the way and set rules for the users? Because um, uh, at some point, uh, of course, um, ALE always have been consumer-centric. We have a strategy around, uh, around verticalization, and a lot of companies actually do. It's more and more uh, industrialized uh, towards verticals and industries, which is a super, uh, which is an excellent thing, and customer-oriented. But what what would be li- the limits behind uh, behind that behind technology and and people? That's an interesting question. It's a bit philosophy question, but yeah. I, li- I like it. <laughs> um, I think first of all, there is no chance or no willingness to stop the technology development. If we do that, we will be wrong. That's my humble opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about more how to use that technology. I mean, if you take an example like the nuclear power, you have two ways of using it. Yeah. And hopefully for now, we are using it the right way by providing you know, energy rather than using it in a, in a war. And I hope it will continue. So it's not about uh, to slow down the technology to obey to any ethic uh, point. It's about how we as humans are taking advantage and only advantage of the technology. So, um, and this topic is uh, much related to the last evolution of the technology, mainly related to the artificial intelligence and whether the artificial intelligence will be uh, superior to human beings and they will take the decisions um, in, on behalf of, of the humans. Um, I think that's much related to how we want our societies to live and to to run, right? So for that, uh, we have, of course, to continue um, development of the technology because, again, we cannot stop it. That's mm. key, and that's not possible. But I think that we have to make sure that we are keeping uh, our human values uh, as virtuous as possible, right? Yeah. If you take, uh, for example, the... Uh, I don't know the um, what the technology can do uh, when using your data. Here we have a role to play to make sure that again your data is not used against you or something done in your back. 
Mm. That's something as vendors we have to make sure. And we're coming back to the confidentiality and, uh, and sovereignty thing. But more than that, what are going to be the usages in the future? You know, we're all talking about metaverse uh, kind of things. And uh, um, sometimes we are trying to replace the real context by a virtual context. So if this is not adding any added value, there is no interest of doing it, right? I'm not speaking about the gaming stuff, which mm. is normal, I and mean, this is okay, but um, if I can meet you live, it's better than meeting you virtually, mm. unless there is a benefit of not traveling or from, uh, you know, uh, some, you know, to avoid any, any new COVID or whatever. But I think that at the end of the day, and this is my takeaway, we see the trend, uh, which is the more we are in touch with technology, the more we're having all those tools, the more we need to come back to human values. Yeah. That's what we have seen also during the COVID. Imagine the video was something that was very peripheral. Few people were using it. With the, with the COVID, the majority of people were using the video just because it's a way of getting in touch again mm -hmm. and seeing people, seeing their, inter, you know, uh, their reactions. So it's a way of coming back to human values. So I think that um, I'm pretty optimistic on that. First, the technology will continue jumping and making huge gaps, especially with the, 4G, the, the 5G and everything related to the, uh, to the AI. But I do think that uh, human beings are, in the majority of times, sometimes it's not the case, but are uh, virtuous enough to make sure that they never cross the red line. And I think the environment topic we touched before is one of the examples. Mm. Uh, there is uh, people are conscious of this and are ready sometimes to get rid of some benefits to make sure that it will help the environment being better. So I'm I'm pretty optimistic on that. Uh, okay. Let's see how we're going to move in the next uh, 15 years and That's see nice. each other and see uh, how yeah. things have evolved. <laughs> True. We'll redo a podcast in 15 years. And yes, <laughs> yes, let's do that. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so yeah, we've uh, reached the end of our conversation. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lucy. Now, uh, one question. Um, if people want to reach out to you, where can they go? You have LinkedIn, you have, or what do you prefer? You have your LinkedIn? Yes, I have my LinkedIn. I have, yeah. uh, I have my Rainbow account, which is public. You yeah, can also reach true. out to me there. Go on and, Rainbow, uh, guys. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think it's not the most difficult thing to reach out to me if you okay, want. Okay, okay. True. Really. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you very much. So, uh, else, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for listening, and we hope you uh, you enjoy uh, you enjoyed the time with us. Thanks. For more episodes, check out the channel on your favorite podcast platform.